Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. Our guests include uh, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Dean Clancy. He is a health policy fellow at Americans for Prosperity. Uh, Michael Canada is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and the author of many books, will be talking about his later, latest Newsmax column, Newsmax column. <clears throat> Durham Report has many omissions. It is June the 2nd, and on this day in 1865, an event that is generally regarded as marking the end of the Civil War, Confederate General Edmund Curry Smith, commander of Confederate forces west of the Mississippi, signed a surrender terms uh, offered by Union negotiators. With Smith's surrender, the latest and last Confederate uh, army ceased to exist, bringing a formal end to the bloodiest four years in American history. The American Civil War began on uh, April the 12th, 1861, when Confederate shore batteries under uh, General Pierre G.T. Beauregard opened fire on Union-held Fort Sumter in South Carolina's Charleston Harbor. During 34 hours, 50 Confederate guns and mortars launched more than 4,000 rounds at a poorly supplied fort. And on April the 13th, U.S. Uh, Major Robert Anderson, commander of the Union Garrison, surrendered. Two days later, U.S. President Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation calling for 75,000 volunteer soldiers to help quell the Southern insurrection. Four long years later, the Confederacy was defeated at the total cost of 620,000 Union and Confederate dead. And they talk about reparations, thinking the price that this country paid and these people paid for uh, freedom for all. <clears throat> By the way, uh, the surrender at Appomattox, I believe, was uh, April the 9th uh, in the same year. But uh, apparently this was the very end and the last uh, surrender by the, Union, by the Southern Army. Well, uh, U.S. Senate vote uh, voted to approve the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023 last night, averting a potential default on the national debt. The bill reportedly passed the Senate on Thursday with a vote of 63 to 36. The Senate passed the bipartisan debt deal Thursday night, sending it to President Joe Biden's desk days before the, adult, uh, the uh, default deadline and capping months of melodrama. Now the uh, both chambers have approved it will move to the president's desk for his expected signature. Uh, by the way, is this popular with the American public? Well, overall, twice as many Americans say they would favor such a compromise, 43%, as they say we would oppose it, or 21%. And while Democrats were the most positive group by 54% to 17%, uh, most independents, 41% to 20%, Republicans, 43 to 28%, also expressed more support than opposition. So apparently, uh, right now, McCarthy's on terra firma. I don't know if, in fact, they'll call for his his uh, replacement. I suspect not right now. It'd be fairly unpopular. Conservative uh, Senator Rand Paul said he would force the Senate to vote this week on cutting total federal spending by 5% in each of the next two years, a proposal that might po uh, put popular programs such as Medicare, Medicaid, and Affordable Care under scrutiny. Paul told reporters Tuesday he would insist on a vote on his amendment to, in exchange for yielding back time to the Senate. Now, I don't know if this happened or not, but it's a pretty smart uh, move on his part. He's calling it a conservative alternative to the deal negotiated by, by Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy poses an uncomfortable vote for Senate Republicans on which it divides their conference. <clears throat> no mention of that in today's news. It's be interesting to find out what happened about that. But, you know, Paul sometimes is, is in the minority in his thinking process, but you know he's generally right on what he thinks. So I respect his point of view. Uh, the Senate voted 52 to 46 on Thursday to block President Joe Biden's student loan relief program. 
The legislation will repeal Biden's debt relief program and resume federal uh, student loan payments, <clears throat> which the administration has uh, had on pause. <clears throat> Excuse me. Republicans' cruel attempt to stand in the way of President Biden's plan to provide uh, relief to tens of millions of Americans suffering under the crushing weight of student loan debt is damaging to our economy and wildly out of touch with the financial realities facing working families, said Ed Markey. He's a Democrat from Massachusetts. Biden has vowed to veto the measure, which has already passed the GOP-led House. Borrowers are still waiting on the Supreme Court decision that will determine whether the student loan forgiveness program can take effect. Well, in a sense, uh, I see this as a support for the Supreme Court uh, turning down and overturning this uh, debt relief program that Biden has proposed. It is totally unconstitutional in my mind, and hopefully uh, the justices, associate justices in the Supreme Court will have the same finding. Uh, again, it's just almost like an amicus uh, uh, brief <clears throat> that the uh, uh, House and Senate have sent to uh, the Supreme Court. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, federal agents in Arizona received uh, recently uh, seized enough fentanyl to kill over 450 million people at several ports of entry and checkpoints. Homeland Security Investigations, U.S. Customs and Border Protection Office of Field Operations in Tucson, and those uh, working through Operation Blue Lotus and Border Patrol Tucson and Yuma sector agents working through Operation Four Horsemen seized substantial amounts of methamphetamine and an, over a ton of fentanyl. The operations occurred from March the 6th to May 8th at four points of entry at two checkpoints, with two milligrams considered a lethal dose, one ton of fentanyl, or 2,000 pounds, is enough to kill 453,592,400 people. <clears throat> Unbelievable. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Twitter users uh, scorched National Security Council spokesman John Kirby for a speechless response to a question on President Biden seen as corrupt by a majority of Americans. While discussing foreign policy-related issues, Kirby appeared to be taken back after New York Post reporter Stephen Nelson uh, remarked that 53% of Americans, including approximately one-fourth of Democrats, now believe that Biden was involved in an illegal influence peddling scheme with his son Hunter during his tenure as vice president. So what do you say to the majority of Americans who believe the president is, is himself corrupt, Nelson asked. Well, it was just embarrassing to see... Uh, Kirby stutter, stammer, and actually walk off the stage without addressing the issue. Obviously, he wasn't prepared to uh, take such a question, needless to say, but again, just more obstruction on the part of uh, the Democrat administration, Joe Biden, and his administration for this, uh, I think, which is going to be revealed uh, more fur further <clears throat> in the next few days. 80-year-old uh, Joe Biden on Thursday delivered the 2023 commencement address at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Biden told the cadets he applied to the Naval Academy after graduating high school 300 years ago. I'm not kidding. He really <laughs> said that. Joe Biden never applied to the Naval Academy. He was never a good football player. Biden was actually forced to quit the football team in college because he had bad grades. During his speech, Joe Biden started screaming at the Nets about diversity. Here's what he said. Your class is one of the most diverse classes in the history of the economy. That's why we're strong. That's why we, who we are. Diversity does not guarantee strength. The strength of a group depends on various factors, including effective leadership, training, cohesion, and a shared sense of purpose. The strength of a class or unit also relies on the individual skills, competence, and expertise of its members. Merit and qualifications are important considerations. A diverse group can only be strong if its members can work together, trust each other, and share common goals and values. Then, President Joe Biden actually fell down on stage. And if you haven't seen a video of this, you'd, you'd need to check it out. Video, video uh, footage shows Biden wearing a suit and a ball cap. Uh, walking happily across the stage when he suddenly trips over a sandbag and he really face-planted right, right on the stage. I shouldn't laugh. Several Secret Service members immediately ran over to assist the president. It was quite a fall. Check it out. 
After President Biden fell on stage Thursday at the Air Force Academy, former President Donald Trump expressed concern about his 2020 Democrat presidential rival. Uh, he did. He, he just fell on what? On what stage? Well, was he at the Air Force Academy? He actually fell down, Trump said in a speech at Grimes, Iowa, uh, where he uh, was told about the tumble. Well, I hope he wasn't hurt, Trump continued. You've got to be careful about that because you don't want that even if you have to tiptoe down a ramp. Of course, you remember when Trump was at the Naval Academy and he appeared to be shuffling down a ramp that uh, where it was apparently very slippery. Uh, what a memory he has. Amazing. Anyhow, uh, Joe Biden demonstrating again his uh, fragility, uh, falling down and tripping over a sandbag at uh, the Air Force Academy. Well, just hours after informing Congress Congress he wouldn't comply with a subpoena and turn over an informant document on Joe Biden's family investigation, FBI Director Christopher Wray hopped on a bureau's Gulfstream jet and ferried off to the more friendly confines of Las Vegas. Uh, The flight manifest for the FBI's official jet shows Wray left the Washington suburbs of Manassas, Virginia at about 4 p.m. and landed about four hours later in Nevada's most famous tourist city. Agency officials say the jaunt was for official business and that Ray would have be speaking to a conference of counterterrorism officials, meeting with the FBI's Las Vegas field office and attending a law enforcement memory ceremony. Uh, so much for the concern for optics. Boy, this really is a sense of arrogance, isn't it? Uh, arrogance precedeth uh, the fall. And uh, let's see if Ray will be held accountable. We talked yesterday about maybe uh, one alternative is throwing him in the brig in the Capitol jail uh, next time he's on Capitol Hill. Well, we'll see how this all turns out. You probably heard that Tara Reid, a former congressional staffer who has accused President Joe Biden of sexual assault, has moved to Russia and will seek citizenship in that country. She confirmed her relocation on Tuesday at a press conference, saying she made the move to find safety. The former staffer rose to notoriety during the 2020 presidential election, claiming that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her in 1993. Biden has, of course, denied the allegations. I'm going to make a request, and it's a large one. I'd like to apply for citizenship in Russia from the president of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, she said. I don't think uh, we've heard the last from Tara Reid. I suspect uh, if she gets uh, finds safety in Russia, I think she'll continue uh, to tell her story. Changed her whole life. Uh, the way she tells the story that uh, his assault on her uh, changed her view on life, changed everything for her. I really feel for her, and it's a a shame that uh, she hasn't seen some justice in this process. Uh, Finally, uh, uh, in this segment, U.S. uh, Representative Chris Stewart is reportedly preparing to step down from his congressional seat, potentially as early this week. Uh, Multiple sources have informed the Salt Lake Tribune that Stewart has made known his intention to resign attributing the decision to ongoing health concerns involving his wife. The exact nature of her health issues remains undisclosed. Anyhow, we wish him well. Apparently, uh, he's from a very strong red district, so getting a replacement for him uh, probably will not be difficult. Uh, He uh, won by a significant margin over 30 points, triumphing over Democrat candidate Nick Mitchell. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, research fellow at the uh, I should say, uh, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, uh, listening to Lulabee's Diner commercial with great breakfast and lunch at the, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at Lulabee's, but also now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and it's a great menu, some comfort food, some also great specialisms as well. I hope you'll check out Lulabee's Diner for dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 uh, p.m. Coming up, I'm going to be visiting with Dean Clancy from the Americans for Prosperity. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. A lot of that going on. Your business uh-huh. must be good. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, right now, uh, last night, the Senate voted on the debt ceiling. I just want to get your thoughts and reactions to all the things that are going on in Capitol Hill. Well, indeed. So this is the culmination of something we've been talking about for, I guess, months now. Yeah. And it's, it's the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Um, it, it passed the House overwhelmingly on Wednesday, and it passed the Senate, as you mentioned, um, last evening. So it's been sent to President Biden's desk, and he's expected to sign it today. Um, the nuts and bolts of the bill, uh, we, we've set forth the outlines before it, it, in exchange for raising the debt limit, uh, which is currently $31.4 trillion for two years. Um, we, we're going to have spending caps. I mean, basically, we're going to keep discretionary spending uh, flat for the next two years, which, you know, it's a start. Um, it's uh, a haircut for IRS, so it's going to decrease their uh, uh, what they had received from that Inflation Reduction Act, uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, about $1.4 billion. It uh, increases work requirements for welfare, and it includes uh, COVID, uh, clawbacks of these COVID funds. Yeah. Perhaps the most significant element, and this could be huge, is uh, a permitting reform. So it, it allows people who get enmeshed with it in this interminable uh, what's known as the NEPA process, the National Environmental Protection Act, um, this, this endless red tape for any construction project, in, its, in essence. It allows them to take the government to court to enforce date-certain deadlines. So, you know, the bill says that government, you have to wrap these things up within a year. It allows uh, affected parties to enforce that. Hmm. So that is a huge change in the law, uh, in environmental law and indeed land use law. 
Um, and it could have significant repercussions. Um, uh, so I guess the, the overall score, um, on the one hand, I, I think this is a huge victory, a significant victory for Speaker McCarthy. Um, he got the president to blink. I mean, remember the Biden for months wouldn't even deign to negotiate, wouldn't come to the table. Um, that all changed, and fairly quickly he made some pretty significant uh, concessions. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I'll note this. Um, the hard work yet remains. So can Speaker McCarthy get his conference, get the House to adhere to what is admittedly difficult, but what Congress used to do every year, um, the appropriations process, regular order? Um, and that's the real key to sort of uh, taming this Leviathan, I believe, because it's going to allow, frankly, more input from the Freedom Caucus. Um, but uh, that's something that he has promised to do, that he's intimated that they're willing to put in the, the elbow grease to get done. Um, and, and in essence, they have till September to, to prove as to whether or not they can do it. So, mm. you know, are they serious about this? Are they going to take up government spending and really, you know, are they going to take it seriously and um, take the knife to, to you know, cut some of this fat. Um, we'll find out. Well, thank you for that, William. I, I have to admit, I am skeptical of almost anything that the government does. But uh, notably, this uh, debt ceiling is not uh, increased; it's suspended <laughs> for till two thousand twenty-five. And my concern about that is that uh, these, uh, you know, Democrats are pretty cagey, and they could figure out a way to do a workaround about this limit on spending, and end up just inflating the debt unbelievably. You think that's a possibility? Well, certainly, to be sure, I agree with you regarding progressive motivations and uh, craftiness, if you will. At the same time, you know, the, the fact is the GOP does control the House, um, you know, for at least another a year and a half uh-huh. um, and, you know, perhaps likely longer. Uh, but so uh, there are no real. Well, I'll say this. The President Biden unilaterally imposed a half trillion dollar student uh, loan debt relief or cancellation policy. So regardless what Congress does, who knows what aces the the president has up his sleeve with respect to overreaching or overbearing executive power. Um, But at least with respect to Congress, I don't think that Democrats would have the power, frankly, you know, given a GOP, they would have to co-opt a number of Republicans to achieve any such machinations Mm. in the House is presently constituted. Well, from your lips to God's ear. William, also, <laughs> what's going on right now is the uh, FBI, uh, Ray, has refused to turn over this one piece of paper that I think was, is uh, very important in terms of determining the bribery schemes that the uh, Biden family participated in, and he just won't turn it over. So arrogant. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I think arrogance is apt. I mean, you know, Congress, again, that they've got constitutional authority. They've got plenary investigation investigatory power. They've created and funded the FBI. I mean, there's no FBI written in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think arrogance is apt. This is a different whistleblower scandal involving the Department of Justice and FBI than the ones we spoke of last week. Um, but yes, so this pertains to, to FBI having this form FD-1023, Mm-hmm. which uh, evidently is used to uh, uh, receive anonymous or uh, receive tips um, from confidential sources. And Ray, uh, uh, evidently, one of these forms alleges uh, a bribery scheme involving the, the Biden family. Um, the congressional uh, o- oversight, uh, congressional lawmakers, senior lawmakers in both the House and the Senate have sought this information, have sought this document. Uh, uh, FBI Director Ray says he won't turn it over because it, he, he believes it'll threaten um, FBI's cultivation of confidential sources, which um, is a bit ridiculous. So, look, as you said, um, uh, the FBI's position, they don't really have a leg to stand on here. Um, ultimately, however, Congress's legal avenues are somewhat limited. So uh, the, uh, Speaker McCarthy and uh, House Oversight Chair uh, James Comer have indicated they will pursue contempt against Ray, but ultimately that would have to be enforced by the Department of Justice. Uh-huh. And of course, the Department of Justice under Biden is not going to pursue that against Ray. However, yeah. Congress has many other, and indeed more powerful mechanisms to get its way. And by that, mean, by that I mean, if Congress wants to play hardball, and there's every indication they will over this matter, um, they can start making threats with respect to the FBI's budget. 
and their activity, um, and that'll get them to the, to, uh, to the table. So uh, that is to say this is an ongoing inter-branch uh, conflict between the legislature and the executive branch, um, and ultimately, if Congress wants this information, they've got the tools to get it. Yeah. Well, I must say, when you think about the FBI, you think about law enforcement. It's anything but. <laughs> it's, it's running oh, wow. interference for the lawless, quite frankly. William Yateman, again, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. PacificLegal.org. Uh, William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with Dean Clancy. He's with the Americans for Prosperity, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Dean Clancy. He is a health policy fellow with Americans for Prosperity. Dean, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Dean, could you tell us about uh, Americans for Prosperity, what it's all about? Sure. Um, Americans for Prosperity is a national grassroots advocacy organization uh, trying to reignite the American dream. Uh, We work in all the states and in uh, Washington to remove government barriers between you and your version of the American dream. We have paid staff in about 37 states, but thousands of volunteers in all 50 states. And we knock on doors and uh, educate voters and listen to voters and try to help uh, make America better. And if I'm not mistaken, it's nonpartisan. So that means that when you're knocking on doors, you're talking about policy and not politics. Yeah, that's right. Now, we do endorse uh, in, you know, candidates that align with our uh, policy goals, but we're not partisan about that. Wonderful. So uh, you wrote a great piece. <laughs> it's a very, it really simplified things. In uh, I think it was the Washington Examiner. Americans feel helpless when it comes to health care, but help is on the way. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, uh, it's it's good news. I think our, uh, our our years in the desert of waiting for Republicans to come up with a plan to uh, make health care better in America, fix the problems of high costs. And, you know, it's getting harder and harder to find a doctor in your health plan and 
and all the problems of health care, which are very much on voters' minds, that, those years are coming to an end, I hope, uh, with new legislation that was enacted, or excuse me, introduced earlier this month by Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. Huh. It's called the Health Care Fairness for All Act, and it would address uh, the serious problems in American health care. It would fix what's broken while keeping what works. Well, so much is broken. Can you tell us more about the bill and what it would do? Sure. The bill would uh, help to make health care, to give patients more control and choice in health care, and it would lower costs through more competition. Now, how would it do that specifically? First of all, it's three big things. First, it would fund patients rather than insurance companies. So Mm. it would uh, help, help basically when government gives people help for their health insurance or health care, patients would control that uh, more than they do today. And they do that through a lump sum uh, amount of money. It's like a voucher that everybody uh, has access to. It be universal. Uh, you don't have to use it if you don't want. You can keep uh, your current health care arrangements if you prefer. But if you want it, it's very generous uh, $4,000 for each adult in your family, 2000 for every dependent child. So a family of four with two adults would get $12,000 to pay for health care. In doing that, they would not use other kinds of government subsidies, except for Medicare. That's separate. We don't touch that in the bill. But uh, uh, the result would be now that uh, you could take your health insurance from jo- uh, job to job. You wouldn't lose it when you change jobs. Uh, and, of course, you would... Whatever you didn't uh, spend on insurance, you could save in a tax-free health savings account. Everybody would have access to an HSA, which is not true today. That's a powerful financial tool that lets you uh, spend and save for uh, pay and save for health care tax-free. Uh, so that's the second thing it does. The first thing was fund patients, not insurance companies. The second is it lets everyone save and pay for health care tax-free in a health savings account. And the last thing the bill does is it removes a number of government barriers between patients and the doctors and nurses they trust. Um, for example, this is just one example, uh, it lifts the ban on physician-owned hospitals. Uh, yes, there is such a ban imposed <laughs> by the federal government. Now, I mean, do you think bankers should be able to own a bank yeah. or hairstylists <laughs> own a salon? Well, it, Doctors are not allowed to own a hospital. We would get rid of that in the bill. I say we, meaning the supporters yeah. of the of the new law or the new new bill. Excuse me. So that twelve thousand dollars—that's a lot of tamales. I guess my question is: is is this bill somehow revenue neutral, or do, would it be, be, tr- create tremendous expenditures and, and debt for the federal government? I think, uh, and we don't have an official uh, cost estimate on the bill, and that is an important question. I, I, my back-of-the-envelope guess is the bill is actually not a big budget buster for this reason. Um, you, if you use the new universal voucher, um, you would not use one of the other uh, subsidies like uh, Medicaid or the, there are tax subsidies that go along with buying your insurance online through a, an Affordable Care Act m- marketplace. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, basically, you would choose which subsidy you would want. Our hope is that the people would vote for the, with their feet and take the new subsidy, which costs a lot less than it would cost taxpayers less, believe it or not, than what we're spending per person on Medicaid, for example. And um, the uh, the other thing that the bill does is it uh, cuts a lot of waste out of Medicare, but without reducing benefits or causing people to lose access to care. And the way it does that, just to be clear, basically it would pay doctors the same amount uh, for an item or service, regardless of whether they work for a hospital or not. Under current rules, believe it or not, a doctor can get paid twice or three times as much for the item or service simply because he's associated with a hospital. That policy, by the way, is what's fueling the consolidation of yeah. hospital markets around the country, hospitals buying up, emerging with their competitors and buying up the local physician group practices so that local health markets are becoming monopolies. By changing that policy, we'll 
bring back competition will also save taxpayers and um, Medicare seniors a lot of money. I must say, uh, Dean, this is, sounds so appealing to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it makes healthcare patient-centric. Patients can actually shop for services and not only look for great quality in terms of healthcare, but also pricing. So uh, people would, uh, uh, firms that are providing services have to be competitive. They have to watch their P's and Q's in terms of their pricing. And right. also, in addition to that, it allows uh, patients to decide, well, you know, I'm in pretty good health. I don't think I need uh, the all the bells and whistles that some of these health plans provide. I think I'll get a catastrophic care type of policy and uh, right. use the money for eyeglasses or whatever else, the other things that I might need with more choices for services to be provided. Yeah, that's exactly right. It would be a little bit like, uh, you know, those Liberty Mutual ads pay only for what you need. Right. Um, you, you would have more control over your insurance. And as I said, with this uh, new uh, universal voucher, whatever you don't spend, you can save for the future. You don't lose it at the end of the year. It just grows, and you can actually build up a big nest egg for your future health insurance and health care costs in your tax-free health savings account. So the bill really would liberate patients uh, to take control of their health care while still preserving all the existing protections. The, the bill does not repeal uh, the Affordable Care Act. It does remove a number of the truly needless and harmful mandates in that bill that are driving up the cost of insurance needlessly. And so it, you're going to have more choice, lower costs, and as a result, higher quality. Yeah, Dean, this is, sounds so appealing. Now, it's not without resistance. I'm sure you're going to find that the insurance companies and uh, there's a lot of lobbyists out there that don't want to see anything like this. Well, sure. The special interests always defend the status quo. But, you know, the American people, are, are uh, they want change. Yeah. Our polling, and at AFP we do a lot of polling. We listen to voters, try to figure out what they're thinking. Basically, they tell us a couple of important things about health care. One they're more or less content with their current health insurance arrangements. They don't, they're actually dissatisfied, but they don't want any major disruption. So they're not in the market for you know, Medicare for all, single-payer, single these, these ideas which would really make things worse. Instead, what they want is just fix what's broken, and it turns out right now for them what's broken is the incredibly high cost of health care. In fact, uh, that is the, in the top three issues on voters' minds right now. Inflation, jobs, and the high cost of health care are the top concerns in voters' minds. And they do want uh, Washington to do something about it. They also say they would especially like to see Republicans do something on it. Yeah. And um, so our hope is that uh, with this new Health Care Fairness for All Act, we will address that concern of voters and uh, and actually fix what's broken. Well, from your lips to God's ears, I certainly hope so too, Dean. It sounds like a terrific bill. Thanks to Jeff Sessions for making this proposal. And uh, again, Americans for Prosperity, you have a, a website? Uh, yes. The uh, If I can give you two websites. Uh -huh. uh, one is americansforprosperity.org. And the other is healthcare-specific. And you can learn more about the bill and the issues <coughs> we've been talking about. It's called personaloption.com. To repeat, that's personaloption.com. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show, Dean. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, uh, Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, uh, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets, some great performances going on. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. So, Michael, they made it across the finish line last night, and uh, the president is expected to sign the uh, the bill to uh, avoid the uh, debt crisis. But I'm wondering, how does is there anything in the bill that affects health care? So, uh, uh, he, it, it, it does look like they're going to be able to raise the debt ceiling. Unfortunately, that does not avert the debt crisis. The debt crisis is the federal government has borrowed so well, has spent so much, right? more than it raises in revenue that the national debt is about a hundred percent of gdp right now right. which is new territory and that's the crisis that's what uh, uh that's what threatens the u.s economy and this debt ceiling deal doesn't avert that crisis what it averts is anyone feeling any of the pain right now so that congress can keep piling up more and more debt and making the crisis worse you know, uh, Michael, I'm so glad you pointed that out. I believe that there is a ribbon-cutting uh, syndrome going on in Congress. Uh, it, usually what happens is uh, the co- people in Congress don't care about the results, the residual uh, uh, results from coming from legislation. They simply want the ribbon-cutting and want to look good <laughs> when, the thing is, when the thing is created. So, uh, And I think that's what, uh, what's affected. Uh, instead of having a uh, body that's uh, deliberative and deciding, making decisions for policy going forward for the future, usually they're more concerned about the... the uh, uh, the looks of things as opposed to the result. Yeah, and uh, y- your question was, uh, how does this affect health care? It really doesn't, although it should, mm-hmm. because uh, this, is, this, is, this is a phony package to, uh, to cut spending in exchange for raising the debt ceiling. Yeah. The package is, it's not spending cuts. It's uh, what, what the uh, Republicans... Uh, demanded and signed on to are not spending cuts or the concession they got are not spending cuts. They're reductions in the rate of spending growth. Right. They're not spending cuts because they're, uh, they're not even cuts at all. I mean, those, those reductions in the rates of growth aren't uh, for sure because they're just promises to reduce the rate of growth in spending. Right. They don't, those, those promises don't even affect all of the budget. And even the promised cuts, you know, when they, when they do identify a specific things to cut, like reducing the IRS's budget or uh, work requirements for welfare programs that are supposed to cut spending, 
in 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 one of those cases, it increases the deficit. Well, although it should it should reduce the deficit, uh, but it increases the deficit. And in the other case, it uh, it also reduce, increases the deficit because it increases spending. The cuts, the supposed cuts here, are increasing spending. Wow. Uh, unbelievable. Well, again, I'm sure that we're going to find a number of unintended consequences, maybe intended, I'm not sure, and surprises as this bill is implemented. But uh, nevertheless, they got it across the finish line. But there are a number of health care issues that could have been addressed by this bill. Absolutely. The major driver, the, the main driver of growth in federal spending and therefore the growth in the federal debt is Healthcare. It is the Medicare program. It is the Medicaid program, and this bill does nothing to restrain spending in those programs. And there, there's lots that Congress can and should be doing to reduce not just spending growth, but maybe even uh, uh, cut spending in in real terms, in per enrollee terms, in those programs. You know, we just talked to a, a guy from the. Uh, Americans for Prosperity, and he pointed out that uh, there's a lot of consolidation going on in medicine today, and uh, the the, uh, hospitals are buying up practices primarily because for the same service they're paid uh, two or three times more for the service they're rendering by the the federal government than they would otherwise uh, receive. This is evidence that Medicare uh, is terrible at setting prices. It's, It's the Medicare program that's paying more for the same service when a hospital provides it than when a doctor's office provides it. And so when the hospitals buy up the doctor's practices, taxpayers end up paying more for the same service provided to the same patient in the same setting by the same physician. The patient's going to the same doctor's office, but because the hospital bought it and put a shingle out front, uh, the taxpayers are getting fleeced even more. Uh. And that is, that is just one actually small but important example of how uh, inefficient and incompetent the Medicare program is and an area where Congress should be cutting so that uh, and, and not leaving health care out of their deliberations when it comes to uh, reducing federal spending. Well, apparently, uh, just uh, talking to Dean Clancy here with Americans for Prosperity, he was saying that help is on the way, that uh, t- uh, Pete Sessions has proposed a bill that would, uh, uh, I think it's called the uh, Health Care Fairness Act, something to that effect. But the point being is that uh, it would do a lot of the things that you've been talking about for a long time. And if the that bill is taking the money that Medicare would spend on behalf of enrollees and just giving it to enrollees, those, those pricing errors, those ridiculously higher prices that Medicare is setting and paying to hospitals, those would disappear. Uh, if what the bill is trying to do, though, is have Medicare be smarter and have Medicare set the prices correctly itself, then that approach is going to fail because we've tried this before yeah. for 50 uh, or more years now, Medicare has been setting prices and getting the prices wrong. Well, it's the former, as I understood our, in our discussions, but maybe we could extend the conversation on this next week when we co- we talk uh, next week. Uh, again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you visit the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Take Thank care. you. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, <clears throat> Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get the politics and know the policy. They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. He's the author of many books. I've read most of them. Uh, his latest is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. He also writes a column that's published a couple of times a week. It's called On Point in Newsmax.com. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Um, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure indeed. And your latest column is Durham Report Has Many Omissions. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff breaking now, and we, you know, we, uh, you know, the the Durham report that was awaited a very long time has confirmed a lot of things that we, you know, that we suspected or knew, and and kind of added to that, but it also omitted, you know, some stuff. You wonder why certain people weren't questioned in the probe. Uh, at all, you know, Peter Strzok from the from the FBI, who was a key figure in all this, and and James and, and um, Comey and so on that that weren't even investigated. You you wonder why why they were given the option of not not being called to testify and so on. So, and the fact there were there were no indictments and and so on. But I think what's what's really when you when you peel this back, and I've got an article coming out this morning. There's so many layers to this thing, and, and they and and they really really get ugly. And, and you know, you try to summarize it; it's it's kind of eye glazing. But mm-hmm. but it it really started with Hillary in her emails, and she had all these you know thirty thousand emails that had been subpoenaed on her on her server that she shouldn't have had. And, some were classified, and and uh, these were these were uh, on her private server during the time she was Secretary of State. So it had a lot of a lot of a lot of communication that was security sensitive and so on. So she went through this elaborate scheme, and this is this has been confirmed by by uh, you know the Durham report that you know so so she really concocted this Russia collusion thing, you know, just a distraction. You know, which was, you know, in the upcoming election, and you, you, you kind of recall where, where uh, Loretta Lynch was was, and Bill Clinton had met on the tarmac, you know, at an airport in Phoenix, and and purportedly talked about their grandchildren, which nobody believes. <laughs> and and uh, then Comey subsequently kind of stood in for Loretta Lynch, and she. Uh, when she stood by, Comey said, well, there's really, you know, Hillary really did this stuff, but there's no indictable offense here and so on. And and so Hillary got a pass. And But it, it triggered, you know, this, this she, 
this Russian collusion thing, which which just really ravaged the, you know the presidency for years, uh, was was a total fraud and a very elaborate fraud, and and it just merged everything up, and and uh, and and out of that, then we saw the you know the impeachment one, impeachment two, and you know the you know the kangaroo court capital hearings, and now now they're going to. Jack Smith, Smith is going to uh, charge Trump, presumably, with ha- having classified documents. Although, although you know, Trump was authorized as president to declassify the documents. And meanwhile, and all these other documents are turning up in in Joe Biden's garage and his home, and you know, the University of Pennsylvania Biden Center, et cetera, et cetera. So, that what's really happening is that. And really, as you peel this back, you see how involved the DOJ and, you know, you know, the course of the raid on Mar-a-Lago and so on, you see how totally politicized the Justice Department has become. Yeah. And and, uh, and it's really ugly. And, and you see the extent to which DOJ and FBI and so on have been involved in blatant cover-ups of of Biden problems and Clinton problems and and just totally you know totally politicized and now we're now it's um, we're we have Comer and and others seeking this so-called smoking gun document which is unclassified presumably it's a whistleblower whistleblowers identified this that ties Biden you know this time to to evidence presumably of taking a five million dollar bribe uh, based you know to on, on a policy concession you know using you know and, and this is this is really ugly and it's now it's apart from all these other countries that hunter was dealing with yeah uh, this is still another country presumably one that's hostile to the United States and uh and, and the FBI is 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 uh, is snubbing a congressional, you know, a very aggressive congressional request to get this unclassified document, and uh, they're going to hold now, I think, Christopher Ray in contempt of court. So I mean, this this stuff, the the extent of the cover-ups, the blatantly complicit cover-ups, and the and and even now I don't see the news reporting this. I don't right. see. Wall Street Journal reporting it and so on. And it's it's really, really ugly. This would make a banana republic blush. Yeah. The arrogance is just unbelievable. The fact that Christopher Ray got on an airplane and flew off to Las Vegas last night uh, without returning over that document. One congressman uh, said that perhaps he should spend some time, and you talk about Christopher Ray in the brig, in the basement of the Capitol, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting idea because it bypasses it bypasses the Justice Department. Unfortunately, those thoughts are, are basically the the last resort. Those are the things that you have to rely on because you certainly can't rely on the FBI or the Justice Department. Well, when you look at this, you think, well, not only are they stonewalling the release of the document. But this document has been in existence even before all the other uh, Hunter Biden deals were exposed. You know, the uh, huge deals with, with China involving, most, mostly involving Communist Party connected organizations and so on, and, and Russia, and, and of course the famous Ukraine conversation where Biden was going to hold back a, a did, you know, was going to hold back a billion dollars of U.S. tax money for. Uh, identified for uh, for military aid for Ukraine, unless they got rid of the prosecutor that was going after Burisma, where his son was getting a, a million dollar a year salary you know, for no show and so on. But you know, we're we're seeing now, you know, this 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 document that Commerce Committee is Oversight Committee is trying to get that the FBI knew obviously knew about this right. even very early on, and. Uh, and didn't investigate it, right? And and, and, and <clears throat> right now we're seeing with all these hundred deals, five million bucks is is kind of small potatoes compared to some of the kickbacks the family's gotten, and and 
and you see what the spot that that Ray is in, because he's not only got you know it's not only covering, but he's got a cover for. Why hasn't the FBI pursued this? Right. What is the FBI doing? Right. Um, they they must have known about it. They had the laptop. They had the information. Um, they had the they've had the uh, this this email that they're that they're uh, apparently it's an email that they're not revealing. Yeah. So. I think the you know, FBI's got you know, they caught with their their fingers in the in the rice bowl and and and, and uh, it's it's terrifying that that we can have a, a justice system that's been so warped. Well, as you put it, it would make a banana uh, republic blush. Again, Larry Bell, professor and uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture, author. His column is on point. You can find it on Newsmax.com. And again, the column is Durham Report has many omissions. I encourage you to take a look at it. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for Monday's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of many murder mysteries, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your commentary on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>